1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
0: I think we heard a few weeks back Chase Young say that he wants Tom Brady. He wants Tom. You have a message for uh, the goat headed in the Super Bowl? Um... Nah, I ain't got nothing to say to him.
2: I'll see his ass on Sunday
0: on the Super Bowl.
1: Frank Clark, making it clear that he's ready to go. Stole that's your not jacket. trash talk. That's not trash talk. What's that?
2: He stole your jacket.
1: I didn't see his jacket. Oh. I was doing something else. I was oh, putting out a tweet yeah. to tell people oh, to tune into Peacock oh, and watch right. the yeah. show. Hey, don't worry. I was Just multitasking. Tweet and
2: task while the show
1: goes on. No problem. No big deal. I'm- Trying to leverage my base of one point, 6 million followers to get at least one or two of them to listen to the stupid things we have to say. That is quite a jacket. That is. Isn't that David Putty's man fur from season 9 before he had the Magic
2: 8-ball I, jacket? All I, signs point to yes. I don't know. I don't know. Stop put, pointing at obscure like office seasons that I don't Not know obscure. about What? Uh, it's, okay. Seinfeld. it's Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Okay. <laughs> David okay. Putty's from
1: Seinfeld. Either way, you know it's about a Seinfeld. great jacket.
2: I do. I don't know it as well as you, but that's a great jacket. Uh, it really is. And he will see his ass in the Super Bowl. Sunday did you know that some shows go down over time yeah most
1: people do also right anyway I, I know you're exchange. living evidence of let's it <laughs> <Keep> <laughs> <me> <laughs> <honest>. <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> um, let's uh let's get to it we're 12 days away from Super Bowl 55 have have you changed your mind about anything from yesterday what happened Sunday after you reflect on the games, because sometimes it takes a little time for things to settle, like concrete, right? Right, and you've kind of got a cement head. Does yes. It take does has your head? There's your there's head some cured?
2: there's some you know still some wet cement in there you know circulating <laughs> around thinking about things and things. I, I think well one thing <laughs> that I think just amazing about the game and rewatching it and just you know you talk about legacies and how close things are and to everything like that. Hey, I, I do get annoyed yesterday, you know, watching other shows on TV where it just becomes all about Brady and Rogers, right? And Brady's great because he won, and Rogers stinks because he lost. Like that bothers me. It does. I don't. I am not a hater against Tom Brady. I would get a hate. I'm a hater sometimes against some of the stuff that's said about him that I just feel like it's so overboard or needs to be corrected. Like well, like you know, like. He played great yesterday and, you know, Aaron Rodgers choked and things like that. Like, when I hear that, I want to go, wait, were we watching the same game? Because I saw the guy that won the game have like a monumental fourth quarter meltdown to where if they lost the game, that was going to go down as the worst quarter of championship football from any quarterback ever. Like, so you can't say that. I understand he's Brady and he still won and he took him on a field goal drive late and all those type of things. But don't go overboard now and just be like, well, he's great. And the other guy choked because he lost. One guy almost played a damn perfect game. Another guy did not even come close to that. So let's not give him the credit. That, that's what bothered me a little yesterday, just making the rounds on TV and stuff like that.
1: And we're going to take a closer look at the film later, Chris's impressions after studying both games that we were all able to watch. But you miss things as it's unfolding. Yeah, Sometimes you do. it makes sense to go back and take a look at it. And the one thing that I feel more strongly about today than yesterday. And as more time goes by, the more upset I get about this, both for selfish and altruistic reasons. We were robbed of a moment because of Matt LaFleur's decision, fourth and goal from the eight. And in that moment, it, it occurred to me yesterday after the show, I was writing about it at PFT, and he underestimated in that moment yeah, two of the great quarterbacks of all time. He great underestimated title. Aaron Rodgers, And he underestimated Tom Brady Yeah, because he believed that Rodgers couldn't score from the eight-yard line and get the two-point conversion. And he believed, even more foolishly, that Brady wouldn't get a couple of first downs and ice the game. One of the all-time clutch competitors. You've said it yourself. He may not be the greatest quarterback of all time, but he's the most clutch. He's not going to crap down his leg, to borrow one of your phrases, in that moment despite the three interceptions so and and the reason it upsets me as time goes by and i think he's gonna have a problem within his team that he better get ahead of he better find a way to get through to his guys and make sure they understand why he did what he did it it really did rob all of us right. of that moment that would have been so exciting rogers walks up to the line shotgun formation a, 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 a eight yard line and everything's riding on this play this moment and even if they hadn't gotten it the Packers put the Bucks at the eight-yard line. Yes, with the same amount of time, same stuff that Matt Lafleur used to justify kicking the field goal. That same stuff still would have applied. So there yes. was a way to go for it, and and have the Bucks pinned at their eight if it didn't
2: work out. That's right, pinned at their eight. You know, uh, I mean, yeah, and also with the pressure of the situation, the pressure of being backed up. You know, do they? call different plays now because they're in that situation. They're trying to protect themselves. Hey, you know, maybe they don't throw the ball on first down. Who knows? It could change a lot of different scenarios there. But I'm with you, Mike. The more and more that the time has gone on, you know, I I, I understand what Lafleur was trying to say and do all those things. But when you lay it all out in the line, kind of the way you said it, uh, added to the fact that, you know, again, it's not like the Packers defense was dominating the the Buccaneers it wasn't like you were like whoa they're just running them over up front and nobody could get open it was really just Brady with some brain farts for lack of a better phrase or whatever else uh that led to the end of those drives so yeah robbed of a great moment that game had so many crazy storylines moments we're gonna dive into it I know but that certainly was one of the biggest
1: And one of the things that Lafleur said yesterday, or Sunday rather, and and we played it last night on PFTPM, and it really struck me. He said, we're always going to be driven by process. And I I mean, did they really map out all of these permutations and predetermine what they're going to do so you don't have to make decisions in the moment? Because I I don't want my NFL coaches just having a a meal that's already cooked that they're just serving up to us based upon decisions made in the lab somewhere. I want them to make their decisions based on what's happening in front of us and what has transpired. And you've got an 18-point deficit that's been whittled away, and you've got one of the great quarterbacks of all time going against one of the great quarterbacks of all time. And for all the reasons I said earlier, don't underestimate both of those guys. I just I don't know how automatic and preordained that decision was. I think that's a mistake. I think it's good to have... The the input it's good to have the thought process, but I don't think it's good to just flip the switch. And we, Aaron Rodgers said it himself; he didn't have a chance to do anything. As soon as he looks over to the sideline, yeah. the out comes the field goal team. What are right. you going to do? You, you're not going to let you say stay over there. They're already out there taking over
2: the turf. Yeah, I, I, it's uh, it's amazing if it came to that quick of a decision. You know, especially after you know. Also, you think about hey, they scored for two touchdown drives. Uh, in the third quarter, right? The fourth quarter, though, they hit a stalemate, all right? So now you go, uh, all right, are we going to get down there again? Do we have that chance? Do we have that opportunity? You know, that's what it would have been on my mind. I would have been more worried about, wait, we just went three and out and three and out and did nothing. Now we've gotten down here and we got something. We got to make the most of it right here in this situation. And, you know, Mike, you brought up a good point yesterday with the two-minute warning there in such a big moment. You know, you could have called a timeout and thought about it for a second and, and really n- not had any other clock issues. Yeah, put a little more pressure on your defense if it doesn't work out or anything like that. But in such a big moment, and I'm with you, you've got to have a feel for the overall football game, what's going on, not what the spreadsheet told you or what you were led to believe is the right thing to do during the week. you got you got to be in the moment and fe- have a feel for the game.
1: Yeah, I don't think any of those various analytics formulas say – Always do this with the season on the line. I, I think the season on the line changes the analysis just a little bit. And there's a point where you have to step away from process and say, Season's on the line. We're going to be a little more deliberate here than just knee jerk send out the field goal unit without giving it a second thought, especially when, you know, whatever messages are sent, whatever discussions are had among the players, there was a strong sense in the mind of the quarterback. That he was gonna have another shot. So if that's a process that led to the knee-jerk decision, it wasn't something that had been shared in detail with anyone because Rogers was surprised by it and ultimately said, It's not my decision. What happens from this point forward to some extent will be his decision. He's got control over his life over his future. We've seen football players act more like basketball players in recent years. And when you have franchise quarterbacks, if they're not happy, you better make them happy because if they don't want to be on your team, I don't think you want them on your team. I don't think it's good for anybody to say to a franchise quarterback, we know you don't want to be here, but you're under contract. So uh, there was a saying that, that, well, I, it's not, and I, I'm just not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that chance. There's a saying that my mom used to use on me when I would say, "I'm mad." I'm mad. When I was a kid when I was right. mad. When I was mad about something, she had a saying. Right. And I'm debating whether or not I Man. can say it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what can
2: be wrong? What can be so bad? I don't well, know. It's you I've, know.
1: every single word in it we say before. I would say, I would say, I'm mad, and she would say, "Well, then rub your ass and get glad." Oh. Which was her, which okay. was her way of saying. Deal with it. Just deal with it. Like if you're upset and you can't, Yeah. my point is you can't have that attitude with a franchise quarterback. It doesn't work that way with a franchise quarterback. You can't tell him, rub your ass and get glad, right? Which I'm sure when I'll say 20 times today, but now that we've broken through the barrier, what the hell they haven't pulled the plug on us yet. We'll keep going. Here's here's uh, number one. Very encouraging Yesterday, the, the effort by some to downplay what Aaron Rodgers said on Sunday has failed. It has caught fire. People are recognizing that Aaron Rodgers deliberately opened the door to speculation about his future by saying what he said at his postgame press conference. That's good because if he's feeling that way and he says it, we can't go run and hide and pretend it didn't happen. Secondly, now he may want other things, but one thing that I am told he wants and deserves is is a little more of the green stuff he's woefully underpaid in comparison to the highest paid quarterbacks in the game his cash for next year is in the range of 23 million his annual per year or his average per year excuse me is 33 and a half million in new money that ties him with Jared Goff which means either he's woefully underpaid or Jared Goff is woefully overpaid or a lot a little bit of both but he wants a new contract. I mean, the guy's the best quarterback in the game. He's at 33.5. Mahomes is at 45. Deshaun Watson's at 39. And by giving him, number one, more money, number two, more security, right. more security, I think that's part of it as well. You can do it in a way that drops his cap number below thirty-seven million, which is currently what it's going to be for twenty twenty-one. Chris, so well, it all makes sense. It, it does. And he should want a new contract.
2: Well, yeah, it, it does make sense. He is underpaid. Golf is overpaid. To to your point, just to straighten that out. And then, you know, when did the all I'm like, it's just curious. The thing I don't like is to hear it this right now. Right. I, I guess, you know, when did this come out? When who? When did this start getting talked about? Did Rogers put this on their radar yet? You know, I I just – I'm not in love that this comes out now, right, the day after you lose a football game. It's not necessarily the best look on Aaron Rodgers. I'll just say that. Well, it's not like he's banging on Brian Gutekunst's
1: door today. What happens is
2: he makes an ominous
1: statement about his future. Right. And people in the know start trying to process it and people who – so I think it's kind of been there. How could it not be there? Uh, As you are tearing up the NFL, right – and and you know what you're making, and you know what Patrick Mahomes is now making, what Deshaun Watson is now making, and you're the MVP. You're the guy who's tearing it up. You're the guy who's carrying your team without any help around you to victories. Now, Deshaun Watson had no help around him, but they were 4-12 and while he had a great year. Aaron Rodgers had limited help around him, and they were 13-3. and So I think it's just part of what's there. And also, it's important to remember, when you give someone a new contract with guarantees and cap consequences you basically are telling them you're here for two or three more years and that's i think part of what he's looking for yeah right let's get some certainty and clarity on what we want packers i think that's the key are you going to give me the clarity that i'm looking for or are you not because if you're not then it's a different conversation so I, i think that the problem gets solved quickly yeah. if they just if they just rip up the contract and give him something that makes it clear he's going to be there for two or three more years.
2: Yeah, that's right. That I, I think that just explains it perfectly. That's the bottom line, right? It's about the security. It's about the knowing of like, wait, you're invested in me, which also means you're going to be invested in the football team to support me, I hope, all right? And you're not going to try to, you know, throw me off the cliff or make me walk the plank for Jordan Love two or three years from now. And you know, everything's gonna be for 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 nothing. You know, so I, I understand that. I also understand him asking for more money too, right? When you know, you're not gonna surrender surround him with the Tyree Kills and the Travis Kelsey's and the Sammy Watkins of the world. Okay, then you know, pay him the difference. I don't know what else to say. I mean, that because it it, it is crap at at times with the lack of support. So yeah, he needs this. He needs the financial support, he needs like the mental security from the team to know that okay, they're behind him. There's not some like alternative plan going into the future about, oh, well, hey, don't tell him. You know, We'll let him play one more year. But then after that, we're thinking about we got our own game plan here and we'll do with him what we want to do with him. He's trying to get the power in that situation and go, no, you're, you're not. I'm, I'm going to have the say in that matter. And, you know, hopefully you'll have to pay me so much money and the salary cap number will be so much to where – you know, they're stuck with him for a few years, and, and they can't move on, and they are tied to him.
1: Another thing to remember about the Packers, too, because they don't have an owner. They're publicly traded, and it's not stock ownership like it normally is. It's a very strange situation that has been around for years. They had to raise money to keep the team afloat back in the 20s. The NFL, and people ask me this all the time, why don't other teams do it? Because the NFL said no one else can do it. And it's not like you can go out and buy up all the stock in the Green Bay Packers and have a Normal, traditional ownership group. But there's no owner who is stuffing money into his or her pockets by saving and scrimping on the salary cap. The Packers should always spend 100 cents on the dollar every year because it's all balance sheets and they're always making money. They always turn a profit. We get to see every year how they're doing. They can't say we're trying to save money. They can't say we're trying to generate profit for the owner. And it's not like they send out dividend checks. They reinvest all of the money back into the team. But why wouldn't you spend a hundred cents on the dollar of every available dollar to you under the cap? And 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 uh, that's the that's the objective in trying to put the best team on the field. So I, we'll see yeah. where that aspect of it goes, Chris. But but uh, again, he said he's going to take some time and think it through and. I don't know if he's going to have a press conference or just tweet something out and tell us what he's considered after he's thought it all through, but I think this Whoa. contract issue is going to hang around until he either gets a new contract or he doesn't.
2: Yeah, well, listen, the owner thing's another thing that continually has come to my mind uh, really over the last 36 hours or whatever since that game ended. I mean, that 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 is something that still percolates about our conversation yesterday. You know, first off, there's nobody there to kind of be the guy to go no let's go for it or no let's not go for it or whoa we're not doing him justice and we need to support him you know that's where the owner can be very helpful in in, in any situation he can kind of give the gm and the owner the guts to make those moves like hey i got your back don't worry no problem here you know i don't know i mean do they save money do, i guess extra money goes to the investors all of that no, no no that's not how it works so that, so that get, makes
1: that's why no they don't sense. they don't distribute dividends that they makes don't. okay
2: i didn't the, i i the, I the money goes into right
1: upgrades at lambeau field and gotcha. you know they, they uh, you know they, they, they don't have a traditional profit distribution structure and that's the thing any other owner can say, Well, you know what? I can spend hundred percent of the salary cap, but I don't have to. I only have to spend X percent on a four year basis. I think it's up into the mid nineties now. But the rest of that money I could just I can just go buy a Ferrari or, you know, a bunch yeah, of Ferraris right. with it, depending upon the amount of Money that's made by a team, so that's one of the things. Well, that, that distinguishes Green Bay from other
2: franchises. Gotcha. Okay, I thought that's what you meant. I just uh, I needed you to clarify that for me there because I am not Johnny business deal by any sense of the imagination, but uh, I am Johnny football. And one thing I know about football is, you know, still I come back to last year's draft, the no owner. As we sit here and talk about everything, still, and it bothers me, yes, because they, you know, they lost, and everybody's blaming Rodgers, but. Just the, the way that went down with Jordan Love and all of that. And, yeah, there was corners and receivers and defensive linemen on the board, everything that would have helped out in Sunday's football game, all right? And, and then, you know, just the thought of the quarterback thing, too. That, that bothers me. It bothers me. The, the Jordan Love we're going to draft for the future when we got one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the game right now and we're in the Super Bowl window is such a disservice to all Green Bay fans and Aaron Rodgers. It's just and it's such an outdated thought. It's not in 1987 anymore, Green Bay. We don't need the quarterback to sit on the bench for four years, okay? Well we're seeing rookie quarterbacks come in the league and be as good as the stars, right off the bat. like as good as the top quarterbacks, right in the conversation. We, you and I watched Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert this year, the whole year we were like, Whoa, I think they might be one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the sport ever since we saw them play sitting on what, what, what's it doing? So I'm so frustrated with all of it. And, um, that, that just, you know, bothers me. I had to get that off my chest. And, and
1: let me tie it back to the point that you're making. Cause people are going to say, well, if there's one owner, it's not like the owner tells the team who to draft. They don't meddle. Look folks, they do meddle. They just try to make it look like they don't meddle. You're not going, if, if there is an owner, if there's a Jerry Jones in Green Bay, trust me, they're not going to take Jordan Love and trade up to take Jordan Love without running it by the owner and making sure that the owner is okay with it that's how it works the owners for the most part unlike jerry jones who made himself the gm when he bought the team the owners for the most part want to stay behind the curtain and they don't want to be perceived as as, as interfering right with the process but you're not going to make a move like that no. without running it by the owner no doubt. and and i can't think of many owners that would say hey that's a pretty good idea let's go ahead and do it so uh that, that's the background to where we now are, yeah, and that's, right. that's what's driving this speculation as sparked by the comment made by Aaron Rodgers. Now, as to the comment made by Aaron Rodgers regarding uncertain futures, myself included, Brett Favre was on Sirius XM NFL Radio on Monday. Here's what he had to say about the things that Aaron Rodgers said.
2: I wouldn't pay much attention to it. I think frustration, disappointment, hurt, pain, all were in that uh, that soundbite. L- look, there, there's no way the Packers would do anything to jeopardize losing Aaron.
1: They already have. Brett, they already have. Brett, it's too late for that. They already have. And you were his surrogate last May. When he was upset and he was talking to you and you were talking to media about why he's upset. They've already rocked the boat. They this did. is just
2: some of the water splashing into it. No, they did. You're right. There's no doubt about that. What I think he's trying to say is Aaron was so awesome this year and it's so apparent to everybody that they gotta get on his knee on their knees and they're gonna kiss his feet, is what he's basically saying. I, I think. I mean but you're right. I mean, they already made the mistake to give him that inkling, that signal, the like, hey, we might be done with you. But, I'm of, of course, this year th- th- that conversation's nowhere near in their wheelhouse. And, of course, it falls back into their face in a big way right now But the way we're talking about it and all that. So, yeah, right now the whole organization is trying to, you know, toothpaste back in the bottle to a degree here. You heard Matt LaFleur. Like, I don't know if that, that makes sense or not. Bottle but, of
1: toothpaste. I don't know. I got, but, I got some tubes of toothpaste. Well, no yeah, bottles.
2: that's you're right. Right. But, but I mean, we saw what Matt LaFleur said the other day. I mean, he's telling you the heart and soul, the culture of the team is that guy. So they need him back. If they don't have him, they're just a solid football team. They're not on the cusp of being a really good, great team like they were this year. So uh, I think that's what Favre's saying. And I, I mean, you you do agree. I mean, Roger, yeah, I'm sure some of that was frustration, hurt. Yeah. Well, He's killed by it, you know. I disagree, though. Yeah. I
1: disagree with this. Right. Brett Favre was trying to explain it from his own perspective. Brett Favre is far more emotional and spontaneous than Rogers. Yes. He was very calculated and reasoned. So. Favre may have blurted something like that out in the moment because, you know, I mean, Favre's just kind of like not even really thinking about it. Hey, I got to go do this press conference and I'm upset and I said something and yeah. I, who cares? I'm just being me. Aaron Rodgers has a strategy. That, that's the difference between the two. So, uh, And, and here's, here's the other side of it because, look, I, I give Mark Murphy a ton of credit. He does a great job as the CEO of the team. He's not the owner of the team, though, and I think at a certain level. I think that that Mark Murphy was trying to set up a Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo thing where having Jordan Love there sparked, and I think Brady was the same age. Yeah. If not a little older when they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo with the second round pick in 2014. Yeah, I think he was a little older, right. Right. So, I, I, And look at what it did. They hadn't won a Super Bowl in 10 years. The arrival of Garoppolo unlocked another run of three Super Bowls. Right. 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 And, and Tom was upset by it, by yeah. all accounts at the time. And since then, he was upset by it. Right. And he channeled it in a certain direction. And they won three more Super Bowls. Right. So. I I can't help but wonder whether or not Mark Murphy thought, you know what, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. We only have one Super Bowl with this guy. It's going to light a fire under his ass, and we're going to get another Super Bowl or two before we, we float him on a sheet of ice.
2: Yeah, probably, but there's a difference. There's a difference, and the difference is New England's team was really good, and they were set up, and Brady the years before that was one of the downfalls of the team. Yeah, I just said that, everybody. He was one of the downfalls. That's why they drafted Garoppolo. They didn't draft Garoppolo because they were like, man, Brady's still top five. Let's draft a guy so we can trade him four years from now and you know never really do anything with him. They were concerned. The 2013 AFC Championship game against Peyton Manning and company, the Broncos went all out to stop LeGarrette Blount. They left people wide open all over the field for Tom Brady to hit. He couldn't hit anything. New England went into the offseason going, damn, I don't know what's going on. We might not, he might not be around for much longer. So that's why they did it. This is vice versa. This is like stupid. This is like, wait, our guy's still awesome. We don't have the team, but let's draft the guy behind the awesome guy we got. Let's draft the guy behind the one position we don't need help on in the football team. That's where it's different, and that makes no sense. Let's
1: take a look at where and how they got their skill position players. Devontae Adams, a second round pick in the year that Jimmy Garoppolo was a second round pick of the Packers. And then everyone else, fifth round, Marquez Valdez Scanling, Equinemius St. Brown, sixth round, Alan Lazard, undrafted free agent, Robert Tunyon, undrafted free agent. And I really do think there was an element of a middle finger to Aaron Rodgers by taking no receivers or pass catching tight ends. Two so straight years. The- Draft two straight years. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, I don't. I don't know what. else. And this
1: past year, this past year, you, they could have had Chase Claypool. Could uh, you imagine that team with Chase Claypool?
2: I mean, could you imagine the the, the Chiefs had Tyree kill Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey and drafted McCole Hardman in the second round, you know, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the first round, you know. That that's where I just want ever. That's where I get angered because of the talk, and then. You know, the negativity, it's, you know, Rodgers and it's his fault and it's his fault and it's Rodgers' fault. And I just – it's not apples to apples. It's not fair that way. It's not fair to him. And they've done him an injustice that way, and now they've put him in that conversation, and he's very aware of that.
1: We spent most of the day yesterday talking about the conference championship games. We've got plenty of hours over the next two weeks to talk about the Super Bowl. we got to catch up on an important situation involving – a team and a quarterback, not the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. The one we were talking about before the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, the Texans and Deshaun Watson. Uh-oh. What's going on with them? A new frontrunner reportedly has emerged if Watson is traded away from Houston. We'll talk about that next year on PFT Live.
2: So hot. I don't think the crap teams of football are going to be in this conversation either. One, I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to go like, oh, yeah, I'll go to the Jets. Woo. So hot.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, he does want to go to the Jets. That was the report that came from Armando Salguero over the weekend of the Miami Herald that the first choice right now for Deshaun Watson is the new york jets because of the presence of robert sala as the head coach the same robert sala that watson recommended the texans interview and they completely ignored him the only team that had a head coaching vacancy in this cycle that didn't interview robert sala was the houston Texans. right so choice one jets despite our opinions of a week ago. And that doesn't mean the jets want
2: them we haven't heard that yet. We just hear Sean, maybe that favors them, but,
1: but you know what? He's playing it well because jets won, dolphins too. So, Hey jets, if you don't want me, I'll just go to another team in your division. And maybe number three is the Patriots. Who knows? But, uh, look, This is not getting any better. Mort reported over the weekend that Watson wants out regardless of who they hire to be their head coach. There's a sense they're trying to hire someone who will placate Deshaun Watson. The report from the weekend was, it doesn't matter. Now, here's the thing I'm waiting for, and we haven't heard it yet. And I mentioned this last week on our our pregame show before the Ravens-Bills playoff game. I've written about it a couple of times. He's yet to say the magic words. Yeah. He's yet to say trade me. He knows that once he says trade me, there's no turning back. So, ipso facto, whatever that means, it sounds good. It's Latin, I think. He he hasn't crossed the bridge yet. Right. He's on. He's on it. Right.
2: He's, he's halfway. He's close to the other side.
1: Yeah. He's halfway. Right. But he still can turn around. And until he says, trade me, if he isn't saying trade me because he knows that's a point of no return, that means he's not past the point of no return
2: yet. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. Uh, Agreed. I mean, he has to kind of hedge his bet a little that way. Right. But we know at the same time, people representing him and everything like that, and maybe even the Houston Texans at this point now, they're starting to call and get a feel. So he's going to have a feel of what's there to be had or not to be had before he ever has to even make that statement, right? I mean, at least that's the way it seems to me. Um, so I'm sure they're doing their due diligence until that point, till they absolutely have to. Obviously, the guy had a, a a liking to Robert Sala. I get it. Listen, I mean, you know, he was out there, the 49ers. He's got great energy. You could say what you want. You know, it, it, it shows. He's, they're, they're, he's easy to want to play for, Definitely. What I just question with the Jets and Dolphins thing or just the Jets things in general, I just want to go, you know, listen, it's New York. It's the Jets. There is nowhere to go but up. I understand that. Everything about that. Cool. But, man, like, come to the Jets and, like, what, trade away the first and second round pick for the next two years and lose Quinn? But they have two. I know. They have two. I know. But they need a lot. I mean, they they were, you know – up there is the worst team in football until the last three weeks. That's, that's where I just – I don't know if I would love that if I'm Watson.
1: But but let's let's think about it. Yeah. W- would you have tra- – uh, l- let me try something here, and uh, uh, this this wasn't planned, so yeah. I don't know how it's going to go. Let me ask you this. Would you trade straight up the second overall pick for Deshaun Watson? Would you do that if you were the Jets?
2: Probably, yes, I would,
1: okay. yes. Okay. Would you, if you were the Jets, if the Texans said that's not good enough, if you were the Jets and you still had Jamal Adams on the roster and you know everything there is to know about Jamal Adams and what he wants and, you know, he's not happy, he's depressed because you're losing, all the stuff we've heard all year. If Jamal Adams hadn't been traded yet, would you trade the second overall pick plus Jamal Adams to get Deshaun Watson? Uh, well, listen, like you're saying, if I'm
2: running, the- knowing that he
1: wants out, knowing everything they knew
2: last year apples to apples, him. I would do it. If I was running the jets, I don't know if I would do any of this. I, I, I'm, okay. I'm not, but yes, but I, I hear My, you. Point, okay. is my right. point is this, my point right. is this, what
1: they got for Jamal Adams was two first round picks. Yes. So if you think of it that way, we're, we're using our second overall pick in the draft to get Deshaun Watson. And we're throwing in Jamal Adams, a guy who didn't want to be here anyway, because we're giving up the two first round picks that we got for Jamal Adams. Yeah. Look. It takes it takes some suspension of disbelief. It's going to take three there. first round
2: picks though. But that's I mean.
1: how you get there. But that's how you justify it. I right. remember when I remember when the Vikings gave up a, a lot to get Jared Allen from the Chiefs, a one and a three, and it was explained to me at the time. Well, we look at it this way: Jared Allen's our first round pick. We'll take it, and right. we're using a third round pick to ensure that our first round pick is a pretty damn good player. So that that's how people need to quit thinking of draft picks as lottery tickets and think about them as players. If you can parlay the second overall pick in the draft, plus a guy who didn't want to be there anyway, and you were going to have to move into Deshaun Watson, it's easier to, it's easier to justify it 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 than to say, we're giving up three first round picks for the guy.
2: Right. But I mean, that's what just, you know, the current market things we've seen over the last few years, right? Jalen Ramsey, Khalil Mack, who else have I missing, Mike, with big time trades? The ones that we've seen two Jamal Adams, you just mentioned him, two right. first round picks. I mean, you gotta think Deshaun Watson's getting three first round picks. This is a proven commodity top five quarterback in football. End of conversation. So three first round picks and then some, maybe, I would imagine. And that's where yeah. I that's where I start to worry if I'm a team that's not really that well built to begin with. And needs a bunch of offensive linemen, and we need a running back, and we need receivers, and we need a DB, and man, we need middle linebackers, and oh my gosh, we have no pass rushers. That's where I understand Watson wanted to come here, but it just man, that's it's not the greatest support system. Couple of things, couple of yeah, things. In. Yeah,
1: number one, right. the Jets haven't had a franchise quarterback since Joe Namath, right? And they haven't. I mean, Sam Darnold. Ken O'Brien was probably the the closest thing. Franchise quarterback. I'm just saying closest
2: thing. But go ahead. Yeah. Come on. Right.
1: But not a franchise quarterback. They haven't had one since Joe Namath. I mean, Chad Pennington, you could say for, you know, if you squint a little bit, maybe franchise quarterback, but at times. But no, but it was and and Brett Favre for, you know, like eight games. Right. They want a year-in and year-out answer at the position. That's what they want. That's why they traded up to get Sam Darnold a few years ago. And if and if you're not sold on Sam Darnold, look, that's a threshold question. What does Robert Sala think about Sam Darnold? Right. What does Woody Johnson say now that he's back? Let's not underestimate the potential impact of Woody Johnson being back and running the team again. But if you want that franchise guy, you've got the second overall pick. If you're thinking about using the second overall pick on a quarterback, wouldn't you rather – get somebody who has shown he can do it, because what if you draft Justin Fields and he stinks? Sure. You don't know. Just because all these younger guys have
2: come in and played well doesn't mean they're all going to play well. No, I. you're right. You don't. You, you, at, at the baseline where I like the Jets and Robert Sala, I like Deshaun Watson, I want to say to the Jets, I feel like I've seen enough from Sam Darnold to say you can make it work. He's good enough. He needs a little help. You know, he needs help. That That's the biggest thing. And Deshaun Watson, I'm a you know, I'm a huge fan just like you are. I want to tell him don't go there. They need to be rebuilt. And to get you, you're going to really hinder their rebuilding process because they're going to have to trade away a boatload of assets to get you. So that's where I just I don't love it. And I know we've made that, you know, I, I know you wrote an article about it last week, I believe, and we've talked about it. You know, if, if I'm the Jets a little bit, I am thinking about the Ryan Tannehill and the and the Miami Dolphins in that situation. You know, again, yeah, I know Sam Darnold hasn't looked like the third pick of the draft, but they've done absolutely nothing to support him. All those other quarterbacks that were drafted in that first round, minus Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, they went all in on giving him talent. I mean, all in. They went all in. Josh Allen, we saw last year. They started to go all in on him, too. Lamar Jackson, yeah, maybe not receivers and things like that, but they've gone all in and formulating an offense that fits him and making it work for him. Sam Darnold didn't get any of that luxury, and that's where I just think it's an interesting conversation.
1: But, but still, you bring in a guy who is a proven yeah, I know. commodity, who can play the quarterback position at a ridiculously high level, who can attract free agents – to town definitely would changes a culture they're trying to change a culture there with the new york jets and robert sala helps change that culture look i so you're in favor
2: it is what you're saying that you're you're you think the jets should make the play yeah
1: look i I mean you're talking about the assets that they're burning that could be devoted to making the team better what the hell have they done with the assets that they've used that weren't traded away So, you know, it's not all that hard. And I know that Joe Douglas, the GM of the team, is trying to build from the inside out. Right, right. And you could argue you need better linemen on both sides of the ball before you address the quarterback position. But the quarterback position is so critical. At some point, fans are going to be back. And that's one thing the Jets have struggled with since they opened MetLife Stadium, selling the tickets, selling the PSLs. They haven't been able to capture that magic, and they're always in competition with Giants and their fans. And you get Deshaun Watson – you've got the best quarterback in town right out of the gates. Yeah. There's a huge gap between him and Daniel Jones. Now, Daniel Jones has a ceiling. He may or may not get to, but Watson was Patrick Mahomes a year before Patrick Mahomes, right? Watson was the guy who played as a rookie, who was awesome as a rookie before he tore his ACL. Right. And I think has been struggling in the shadow of Patrick Mahomes because he doesn't have Travis Kelsey. He doesn't have Tyreek Hill. He doesn't have that offensive line. He doesn't have that defense. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why fundamentally, I think Watson wants out. He looks at Mahomes, he looks at Josh Allen, he looks at these other quarterbacks, and he says, "I just want a little bit of what they've got."
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't I don't you know disagree in any any way there. I don't. It hasn't been a great defense in Houston in the last two years. You know, they haven't been able to run the ball. We know we we talked about pass protection issues really the two to three years before this season. It's been an uphill struggle, let alone, you know, yeah, they fired Billy O'Brien, who was his guy, and, of course, was there to draft him and the guy that kind of tutored him. And now it's like, whoa, what the hell's going on in this organization? And I don't know where we're going or what's being done. And I don't know some of these new people here that are running it. And he doesn't He doesn't like it. And I get it. And I, I think if I'm sitting there and I'm him, I wouldn't want to be there either.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can sit and wait and hope that maybe it's going to turn around, but through four seasons, you've probably seen enough to know that that uh, you know it's not going in a good direction. And I've seen people say, "Well, why did you take the contract then?" Well, you know they're going to dangle that money. You're not going to say no to it. You deal with the financial ramifications later if you decide you want out. Right. But you're not going to say right. no
2: to generational wealth ever. No, and of course not. And. You know why would he take the contract? Why? Because I mean I don't know. It, it gives him power. It gives him, it gives him power to be the leader of the football team. The no trade cause. All, everything like that is going to all help him kind of steer the ship the way he wants to steer it. As far as the trade conversation and all of those type of things. So he wanted he signed the contract with the, the the best intentions. I mean he didn't sign the contract thinking like, wow, here we go, Deshaun Watson. And then he wrote PS underneath it. I'm gonna screw you guys in a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> no. He was went into or this. Sooner. Right, or sooner. I'm he went into this <laughs> with thinking like I wanna build something, and of course, it's all fallen apart ever since that moment, really. Well
1: And that's what happened. The GM slash head coach gets fired. Jack Easterby does the power play. The reports are out there. They're rampant about the way he's trying to take over the team. It's plunged into dysfunction. What a shock. You put a grossly unfit guy in charge of the team, and the team becomes dysfunctional. Who would have ever guessed that something like that would happen when someone grossly unfit is in charge of anything? But I digress, or I don't. Um, But now he's at a point where he's trying to figure out what the hell's going to happen. And look at what we – we've seen as it relates to the coaching search and I love Josh McCown. This pains me. This pains me to articulate it. I've written about it. It was something that popped up Friday late afternoon, early evening that they actually interviewed Josh McCown who's still a player for the head coaching position For, for, for the head coaching position, not quarterback coach, not quality control. They interviewed Josh McCown who has never coached at any level above high school. Because remember, he was doing that like part-time with right. the Eagles last Friday year.
2: he would come in, right.
1: Yeah. He, he's never coached high-level football. They interviewed him to be the head coach of an NFL franchise, which, again, I love Josh McCown. It makes a mockery of the process. It's a middle finger to all the other coaches out there, white or black, who have worked their way up, who have put in their time, who are qualified, you know. We hear a guy gets hired. Fritz-Paul Alliance has no problem with Urban Meyer going to the Jaguars because he's qualified. Well, there's always going to be a white coach who's qualified. There's always going to be a black coach who's qualified. The question is, who's going to get the job? And when you start considering white coaches who aren't
2: qualified, that's when people start saying something stinks here. Well, definitely. That, that's exactly it. And, I mean, it, uh, just the interview alone there, uh, I'm with you. Josh McCown, I love him. I mean, he's a great guy. He really is. I played with his brother Luke and Tampa Bay. It's a great family all together. I have no doubts that Josh McCown could one day be an unbelievable head coach in the NFL. I don't doubt that at all. That's a football family. They're all about it. But to just say you can go to quarterback and then to head coach in the NFL, that's insanity. That's stupid. And I mean, if I'm Deshaun Watson and I see that, that alone makes me go, what? What are we talking We weren't going to interview Eric Bieniemy, but we brought in Josh McCown? What? Like, what are we doing? And that's why Houston's got to watch out. I mean, you're never going to have this problem because of the salary cap and free agency in the NFL. But, man, I, I guarantee if you talk to most of the league, they're going to go, I don't really want to play for the Houston Texans. I'm going to try to avoid that franchise. And I don't fault Josh McCown for doing it. Definitely not. Not his fault. Hey,
1: hey, you know what? If nothing else, it's he an learns. opportunity to see what it exactly goes like. Right. And maybe some point down the road, I'll have a real chance to be a head exactly. coach. Exactly. I fault the Texans. It's an affront to the process. It's an insult to all of the folks out there who are qualified right now to be head coaches. And when you consider they initially didn't seek permission to interview Eric Bieniemy until they eventually did after it was obvious Deshaun Watson wasn't happy about it. And then they completely ignored even talking to Robert Sala. Do a 90 minute zoom with Robert Sala. What do you got to lose? 90 minutes. It's 90 minutes. Talk to the guy. See what you think of him. Maybe you go into thinking, "Well, yeah, he's really not our guy." Well, hey, he's our guy. You never know mm-hmm. until you talk to him. And and to to interview someone who no one else has even discussed, has even mentioned. His name hasn't come up to be hired by anybody on a staff, much less as a head coach. And again, And and I think Josh, Josh is smart enough to understand where we're coming from. He's just the guy who's the pawn in all of this, and he got out of it the benefit. But I think he's smart enough to realize there was going to be some blowback for this because it's just asinine, and it is an insult to all qualified candidates out there, regardless of background, regardless of race. It's an insult to them that someone who is completely unqualified got an interview. But, but Chris, hey, when you have somebody completely unqualified who's running the team, this is the kind of stuff that happens all right let's take a break when we return another quarterback who wants out but at least with him we know he's gonna get his wish matthew stafford will be playing somewhere else in 2021 we'll talk about that next year on pft
0: Here's what i'd say about uh matthew is man he's a stud all right he's a stud he is one of the toughest quarterbacks you'll you'll ever see um he's extremely talented um i know he's a team guy um and, and listen, I know he wants to win. And and so I'll leave it at that. That's what I do now.
1: Dan Campbell looking extremely comfortable in that suit. Talking about biting off kneecaps. Apparently Matthew Stafford it. has no interest in biting off kneecaps of opponents. He wants out and the Lions are going to accommodate that request, Chris, where do you think he could go?
2: Well, uh, gosh, there are so many options. I mean, first off, I mean, it's extremely talented. I, I do think it's time to move on for Detroit for his purposes. I mean, but when you go through the list, uh, I mean, wow, we've hit on teams that have quarterback needs. You know, hey, the 49ers, I think they're a team right off the bat should be thinking about it. You know, you talk about the Carolina Panthers. How could they not get involved in that type of conversation? The New England Patriots, boom. The Denver Broncos, maybe you think about it. Drew Locke hasn't necessarily solidified things there. I don't know. Three-way trade, Deshaun Watson, all that stuff. Could he end up in Houston? There's too many possibilities. He's too talented. Everybody that needs a quarterback is going to do their due diligence on Matt Stafford.
1: I love the idea of him playing for the Houston Texans. Texas native went yeah. to, not he was born in Tampa. I was doing the research last week. Born in Tampa, but lived grew in up in while, Went to Texas, right. went to high school same high school Bobby Lane attended in Texas, and yep. then went to the University of Georgia. So he's got different connections. Hey, the Falcons could be a connection if they sure. move from Matt Ryan. Right. Who knows? But uh, look, the guy's still only thirty-two, only thirty-two years old. It's but crazy. the time has come for him to move on. He, depending upon what he's done by way of taking care of himself, he could play another 10 years. We're seeing quarterbacks play into their 40s. The rules are conducive to it. Yeah. He's played through plenty of injuries. Yeah. But uh, now he gets a chance to go somewhere. And Chris, where he needs to go is a team with a great built-in leadership structure because that's the thing he's always shied away from, Right, is the active in-your-face, there's-a-new-sheriff-in-town leadership. You need he's like Eli Manning in that regard. Sure, you know it's the it's the scale of Peyton Manning to Eli Manning, ultra involved, sheriff in your face, and Eli just kind of I just work here, which is fine. He won two Super Bowls, right?
2: But I, you need guys. You need is, Michael Strahan and Justin Tucks exactly. and the JPPs in the locker room to go. Hey guys, let's get the hell going today. Here we go with that. You're exactly right. Yeah, that's not that's not him. He's going to do his job. He's going to do everything he's got to do. But yeah, it doesn't seem like he's the. Uh, rally the troops everybody I'm going to lead us here's a speech whatever it may be but the the thing that's interesting to me more than anything Mike is what you brought up is the age it's just different than you know it's a franchise quarterback here who's got a lot of good years left it's not like whoa we see you know the light at the end of the tunnel and this is over sometime soon no this is a guy where you can go wait his arm the way he throws the football he's going to have a top arm and he's 44 years old it's it's that type of arm and you you know he's tough plays through injury never been protected never really had a run game at all in his career to the last two years I mean I'm with you I'd love to see him go somewhere where you're right there's a culture you know there's an offensive coach that really knows how to use him. you know it's another place where yeah I look at my buddy Kyle Shanahan and I would love to see that match up with Stafford and that offense and those things I would love that. Reggie
1: Bush spent some time with the Lions. I was doing some research over the weekend about things he had said in the past. One of the complaints he had when he left the Lions was there's no chemistry there. And when you think about how they accumulate talent, I don't know how much thought past regimes have put into how your personalities will interact and where the leaders will come from. You need to have that, though. You have to have guys who are deliberately selected, for their leadership potential, then they grow into the leaders. They blossom into the people who hold players accountable right. and do the things that make a team better than the individual parts would suggest. That's what the Lions need, and Stafford needs to go somewhere where those parts are in place. We're going to take a break. Chris, watched the film from Sunday. We'll break it down next here on Kids.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play.